0: The tabernacle. A tired man projects his weariness into the future. He tells himself that when he is finished doing certain things, he will rest, or if he succeeds with this, he will retire. When that day arrives, he is usually again at work, refreshed as much by his success as anything. So too, men have projected their weariness with work in a sinful world onto heaven. When they get to heaven, they will rest forever. The new creation, however, is not only portrayed as man's eternal Sabbath, but also as man's eternal and unfettered place of work. Let us examine some of the implications of scripture at this point. Revelation 21.1 speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. Jewish tales held to a belief in a totally new creation, a completely new universe, as witnessed by 1 Enoch 72.1, 91.16, and 2 Esdras 7.30 and 75. The word used for new is, however, kynos, new in quality and nature, rather than neos, new in time. Both heaven and earth were created by God, and thus both have a history. Since they are both destined to be renewed, this means that God does not despise or throw aside his original creation, although he purges it by fire, 2 Peter three twelve and 13. Even when St. Peter speaks of the dissolving of the old creation by fire, he still describes the new creation with the word kynos, new in quality and nature, rather than in time. Creation and its history are not destroyed, but rather renewed, so that the new creation is essentially linked to the old. Schiller has seen the implications of this fact. Therefore, it will not do to say, those things which are passing away have only relative worth, only that which remains has absolute worth. That which passes by and perishes is included in God's decree, and hence has equal value with that which remains, which is established by His decrees. All has worth in history, and therefore for eternity, all that is in accordance with the will of God. Heaven has great worth, but the earth of today also. Heaven of the future has great worth, but heaven of today no less. Because God works in history, the embryo is equal in worth with the matured body, the corpse with the healthy body for in all he attains his purpose. Whether his word calls a thing into being or causes it to return to dust, it matters not. By that word, all of history has its value. This may be an overstatement, but it is true in that all things accomplish God's purpose, and nothing is without meaning in terms of him. The meaning of history is fulfilled or put into force in the new creation. We are given a glimpse of the meaning of that new creation, of our fulfilled history and action, in two startling verses of Revelation 21. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Verse 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Very obviously, these verses declare that the communion of God with man will be a full and glorious one, surpassing Eden. God's presence with his people is emphatically restated. God is with men, he will dwell with them. God himself shall be with them. This meaning is important and clearly central. The essence of the new creation is the full communion with God. There is, however, another meaning which is also of great importance and is overlooked, namely, the reference to the tabernacle and the temple. From the perspective of this fallen earth, the new creation is the end of the journey. We are now like the people of Israel in the wilderness, on a journey to the promised land, the fixed habitation. The wilderness was the place of the tabernacle, the tent of God's presence, the royal tent of the king. In the promised land, the tent or tabernacle later gave way, when a capital city was established, to the temple, the fixed and stationary house of God. We should expect God's presence with his people now to be described as a tabernacling presence with the temple ahead of us in the new creation. Instead, the figure is reversed. The temple, the fixed house of God, disappears. We have instead the very presence of the Lord God Almighty in the Lamb. This is no surprise. We expect this of the new creation and of man's restored communion with God. What is surprising is the reintroduction of the tabernacle, the royal tent for life on the march. The framework of reference for the tabernacle is a journey, a pilgrimage, and a march. The tabernacle is made to be moved from place to place, not to stand still. The use of so important a symbol cannot be accidental. What it clearly means, when seen also in the light of the plain statement, and his servants shall serve him, Revelation twenty two three, is that in the new creation, a whole new horizon of work, dominion, and movement will be opened to man with God in the camp permanently, to lead man therein. It will be a movement, work, and dominion, without the curse and without death. Our imagination collapses before such a prospect. We cannot visualize such a world. We are, however, very clearly shown that such a prospect lies ahead of us. We must neither deny it nor embroider it with our imagination. It is clear that our ideas of the afterlife have been molded by pagan rather than biblical sources. In paganism, the afterlife is a land of shades, shadows, or ghosts who do nothing and who look back with longing to the old world before death, the world where the action is. The afterlife in paganism is precisely that, the afterlife. The remnant of a man is barely alive, and real life is behind him. He pines hopelessly for the world he left behind. The reason why ghosts are so much dreaded in paganism is because pagans logically assume that the dead have no liking for their pallid existence, and they seek to return to the old world. Some peoples believe that the dead actively resent the more abundant life enjoyed by their relatives who have not died and they supposedly return to show their resentment at that fuller life. The life of ghosts is static, pointless, and meaningless. Life has passed them by, and they have no function except to hate the living. The fear of ghosts is a major factor in the lives of many pagan peoples. And only those who have lived among the so-called primitive peoples can begin to be aware of their terror of the dead. Clearly, this static, pallid idea of the life to come is not biblical. The Bible points us toward the more abundant life in Christ, in time and in eternity. It gives us a vision of a new creation more glorious than the old Eden, in which a redeemed humanity is on the move, on the march, with God the King. It indicates that God's purpose in creation was not set aside by the fall, nor is it set aside by death or by the new creation. It indicates a consistency of purpose in God's creative activity, and a magnificent destiny for man. Very clearly, in God's glorious creation, the best is yet to come. We can begin to understand something also of our Lord's meaning in the parables of judgment when he promises authority to those who wisely use their talents. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Luke 19.17 His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of thy lord Matthew 25:21 Very clearly a full and working society organized and functioning as God's kingdom is plainly presupposed and declared